0: You're listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. On an 1866 map of the Colorado Territory, Denver shows up as just an eight-year-old town along the South Platte River. Fort Collins was a small military outpost established two years earlier. Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and Trinidad don't appear on the map. and wouldn't be incorporated for years to come. But on the far southern border with New Mexico, south of the Purgatory River... The cartographer noted Fisher's Peak near Raton Pass, amid the Raton Mountains. The U.S. Geological Survey says the Basalt Mountain was named Fisher's Peak after Captain Waldemar Fisher, a Missouri cavalry officer who led his troops through the Raton Pass area on the way to Santa Fe in 1846 during the Mexican War. He may or may not have climbed the peak that now bears his name. Long before that, Native people knew well the 9,633-foot mountain formed by horizontal lava flows more than 1 million years ago that solidified into basalt. It served as a landmark for Native Americans traveling north and south, a beacon for white pioneers moving west, and a waypoint along the historic Santa Fe Trail connecting the eastern U.S. to New Mexico and the southwest between 1821 and the 1880s. Today, it is a centerpiece of a new 19,200-acre state park that connects grasslands to the east with foothills and mountains to the west, serving as a corridor for wildlife movement. Providing habitat for large native species like elk, mule deer, white-tailed deer, mountain lion and black bear. The property helps maintain important connections between their populations in the mountains and those in the prairies. For much of its modern history, the peak has been private property, part of a ranch that was off-limits to the public. But now, it is owned by the state of Colorado, and when it opens, it'll be a place where visitors will be able to hike, hunt, climb, mountain bike, watch wildlife, and all other activities that Colorado Parks and Wildlife properties have to offer. For now, it remains closed as the master plan for the park is developed by CPW and its project partners, the City of Trinidad, the Nature Conservancy, the Trust for Public Land, and Great Outdoors Colorado or GoCo. Here to talk about the project are three key people from the CPW team Brad Henley, Southeast Region Deputy Regional Manager, Crystal Dryling, the Park Manager, and Brian Dreyer, the Agency Terrestrial Section Manager. Brad started his career as a park ranger and eventually was Park Manager at John Martin Reservoir State Park and Lake Pueblo State Park before being appointed. Deputy Regional Manager in 2013. Crystal Dryling has been Park Manager at Trinidad Lake since December of 2013 and was recently named Park Manager for Fishers Peak. She was a park ranger in Cherry Creek, Chatfield, and Golden State Canyon State Parks. And Brian Dreyer was Senior Terrestrial Biologist for the Southeast Region before being named the Agency Section Manager in 2019. You're listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. The podcast is powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. GoCo invests a portion of Colorado Lottery proceeds to help preserve and enhance the state's parks, trails, wildlife, rivers, and open spaces. Its independent board awards competitive grants to local governments and land trusts, and makes investments through Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Created when voters approved a constitutional amendment back in 1992, GoCo has committed more than $1.2 billion in lottery proceeds to more than 5,200 projects in all 64 counties without any tax dollar support. Well, let's go ahead and get into the nuts and bolts of what the park is about to become. And joining us is Crystal Dryling. She has been a, a park manager at Trinidad Lake since December 13th of 2013 and recently has been named the park manager of Fishers Peak State Park. And so that's exciting. But Crystal, what, what an awesome opportunity and, and just got to be a joy to go to work seeing what this property is and what it's about to become. It's got to be a lot of fun for you, I would think.
1: Yeah, it sure is. It is a dream come true for someone like me um, to be able to be on the um, ground level of a project like this and to share this opportunity with such great partners that we have. It's been
0: really an incredible ride so far. I know uh, they broke ground on the initial limited trail access point on the north end of the park. Tell us a little bit about that and and how exactly do you map out trails when you're just starting a state park like this? That's got to be quite an undertaking.
1: It really is. It really is. And so, yep, we've broken ground on the northern end of the property, and that is what we expect will be the first um, limited public access to the park here in the near future, hopefully. So we have, um, you know, cut a road in from an ex um, access point, and have a couple of brand new vault toilets, which are very nice, and some parking spaces, and um, some gates with a trailhead that we're kind of getting situated there and then we'll be working on some trails here to come
0: how about some of the recent construction updates and and the kind of things you folks are working on
1: yeah you know um, we've worked with lots of local contractors where we can and like i said creating the roads um, we've had some concrete poured for ada parking pads um, the actual bathrooms that have been set and we've had some gates um, designed and fabricated right here out of trinidad with Um, a local company so we're trying to do as much of this locally we've got split rail fencing put up and it's been really amazing to kind of to find a place that that looks like it could make it for a good entry point and a good parking lot and to see it all come to fruition pretty much throughout this summer so um, we broke ground early summer and we've come a long way I think in the short amount of time all things considered
0: Tell us a little bit about about the other park features, uh, since we're talking about 19,200 acres and all that that piece of property has to offer.
1: Yeah, and so it's a beautiful property. Um, It's kind of a a long property, and so from the the point that you might enter the property near the interstate to um, up to the peak, you're actually going to gain about 3,000 or a little over 3,000 feet in elevation, which is pretty exciting it's a um it's challenging you know for hiking it can be challenging for hiking and ultimately for biking but it also offers some great diversity in the landscape there so you know you've got the pinion um juniper forest and then you'll rise up a little bit and get into some ponderosa we've got some old growth forest some old oak forest some old ponderosa forest there um, also some uh, areas where it breaks into a meadow and um, wildflowers are abundant out there in the summertime. The um, the sandstone rock structures are just amazing to me. I just, I really enjoy the sandstone features that are out there on the property that I found so far. We also have um, more than 50 natural springs on the property. It seems like we find a new one every week, um, but there's some neat little natural ponds out there and little creeks that are running here and there. So, It's really kind of, when you're out there, you feel like you're in an untouched space um, that's a little bit raw and rugged, and I hope that we can keep it
0: that way in a sense. Tell us a little about Fisher's Peak, the namesake. I mean, anybody who has been down in in Trinidad, it's a signature peak there, but 9,633-foot summit of Fisher's Peak. Really an iconic outcropping down there, isn't it?
1: It really is. I mean, it, one of my first days down here in Trinidad, whenever I took this job, that was one of my first questions is what is that peak? What's the name of it? Um, how can I get up to the top of it? So um, I had those questions and the people who are from here down in Trinidad who have lived here for generations have looked to that peak. And, and of course people before that have looked to that peak. It it really sort of provides this beautiful backdrop to the city. Um, it. It is sort of the mascot of the city. It's, um, it's so great now that it's no longer in private hands. It's in public hands. And, and hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll, we will be able to get people on that property and, and eventually up to that peak. So it's, um, it'll be great for folks to be able to actually set their feet on that property in that peak.
0: Crystal, tell us a little bit about the public process in the coming months. I mean, if, if folks out there want to have their voice heard about from the public about what they'd like to see, you know, how that whole process works in terms of uh, the progression of, of this park.
1: Yeah, and for any project like this, for any new state park, we absolutely, you know, look for public input. We want to include the public in our processes, and so um, that is still to come. Where in our master planning process for this property which we would anticipate would take about two years and so through that master planning process we'll have some um opportunities for public input and um different work groups for the planning process we also you know we've we've got um a website that we're working on that will be specific for fisher's peak state park and um, once we launch that and hopefully it'll be launched maybe um early September, mm-hmm. we are um, going to post all those public um, input opportunities and public events on that website. That'll be a good place for people to watch for that.
0: Crystal, you've you got a fascinating job. Well, what's it like to be a park manager? Uh, and, you know, here we're talking about the second largest park in the system in Fishers Peak, but also you've been the manager at Trinidad Lake State Park as well. What's, what's that job like?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I absolutely love my career, and the reason is, or one of the reasons, I guess, is that I get to do a million different things every day. Um, We, as park managers, are very much generalists in what we do, and so whether it's paying the bills and managing the budget or creating the schedules, training and supervising rangers and maintenance staff here, you know, obviously dealing with the public and, Um, responding to what their changing needs are and what their changing desires out of um, outdoor recreation are, Um, planning for future development um, here at Trinidad Lake and, of course, at Fisher's Peak and working with our project managers and, of course, working with our biologists when it comes to any sort of um, work that we need to do on the landscape, whether it's with wildlife or treatment of weeds or, um, you know, taking care of our trees. The... um, the diversity in this job is pretty incredible, and I, I I never know what I'm walking into from day to day, and that's
0: one of the things I love about it. <laughs> I bet. Sounds like it's all-encompassing. Yeah, never a dull moment. Well, great stuff. We're, we're so looking forward to when Fitcher's Peak State Park uh, becomes open to the public. I know that's going to be a big job and a big process, but uh, Crystal, good luck with that, and we appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much. I look forward to it, too. We'll see you out there.
0: All right, shifting gears here on Colorado Outdoors, powered by Great Outdoors Colorados. We continue talking about Fishers Peak State Park. What a great addition this is going to be to the park system uh, here at the state of Colorado. Joining us now, Brian Dreher, Senior Terrestrial Biologist for the Southeast Region, before being named the agency's section manager in 2019. and Brian, we appreciate you being on with us here. When I was talking with Brad a little while ago, I said to him, kind of overseeing that project gives him this blank canvas to really work with, from your perspective as a terrestrial biologist, it's not a blank canvas. You've got 19,200 square acres here that's just filled with wildlife and all sorts of things to discover, don't you?
2: Yeah, you bet. And uh, it's great to join you today, Mark. But yeah, we uh, what, an, what an incredible property and the wildlife resource and just the condition of the property is really remarkable and has tremendous value and uh, uh, just a very interesting place for, for wildlife
0: how do you go about when you get a piece of property like this over 19,000 acres as we mentioned how, how do you go about surveying something like that
2: yeah so you know i, I definitely want to just acknowledge the, the amazing partnership and really the work of the nature conservancy to start this whole process you know they they uh kind of kicked things off um you know uh, after kind of the initial property acquisition with just a whole bunch of bioblitz surveys and they they actually kind of enlisted the help of lots of different highly skilled biologists and naturalists that were really, like, in tune to different types of species, you know, birder groups, maybe plant groups, to really just kind of come down there and really kind of do an inventory of the property. And then from the Colorado Parks and Wildlife side, we we kicked off, um, you know, we actually – just to try and get information quickly about what might be down there, um, you know, we actually instituted and put out a, a, an array of about uh, of a whole bunch of uh, cameras, motion trigger cameras, okay. to just try and get some idea um, of what might be on the property. And so we just really, in partnership with the Nature Conservancy and others, just really started to try and get a sense from from plants to insects to uh, other kind of charismatic mammals uh, what might be down on the park using kind of volunteer teams um, and all of that and so um, yeah it's really exciting and most recently um, you know we partnered with both uh, the Nature Conservancy and, and CSU uh, Colorado State University to really look at habitat and what, what kind of vegetation and, and habitat is down on that property as well so we can get a really nice snapshot of what what we have down there from a the biological side of things
0: you know we're we're so blessed here in the state of colorado for you know the wildlife and, and what we get to enjoy outdoors a piece of property like that in southern colorado down near the new mexico border i mean it, it, the the game array has got to be just uh expansive i would think i mean you've got big games small critters birds raptors even endangered species down there as well right
2: yeah we sure do so you know, and some of our initial surveys included some, just kind of some trapping, uh, live trapping of some small mammals, just to get an idea. And, and uh, the Nature Conservancy kicked that off. And in uh, part of that, uh, we actually detected and found uh, a New Mexico Meadow jumping mouse, which is a federally endangered species. Um, and and it, it mostly in Colorado resides just very in, uh, the southern edge of Colorado. And so um, just do some initial trapping surveys, located one, and then we followed up. Um, And uh, we're able to collect a number of of these uh, live and take some DNA off of them and get the DNA confirmation that they truly were New Mexico meadow jumping mouse. So we do have also an endangered species, and that tends to use kind of our – riparian areas on the park, so areas that have water flowing through them, um, down kind of close to creek drainages. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting find for us uh,
0: down there on this new acquisition. Well, that's that's pretty cool. Now I also understand that uh, there's a new species that uh, CPW had not discovered in the other state park, the variable skink. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so it's it's, it's a it's a small lizard species uh, that we had never ever found. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, you know, I'd say a little bit of an unusual lizard species and, and certainly is not often encountered, and, uh, you know, this is the only state park uh, where we found this species, and there's just not a lot known about the variable skink, and so it's kind of exciting to kind of find little treasures like that um, on the biological side as we, we start looking at what, what we have and, and, and what's out there on the landscape.
0: How about bird, bird surveys? I understand that they're still going well, and, and, and kind of take us through the process about what you're looking for and, and, and how that whole process works.
2: Yeah, so certainly, as we you know, the the, the park itself, obviously, just uh, birds and kind of the avian, the, the avian community on there is really tremendous. And so, this last summer, I know both again, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife and Nature Conservancy staff were really kind of looking for, uh, and focused on uh, just a general. Bird survey with both volunteers and staff, just looking at what different bird species we have out there. And then last year, we really kind of focused on some of our cliff nesting birds. So things like peregrine falcon, which we did discover in, in Irie, uh, which mm. is the nest of peregrine, um, up on some of the cliff bands. And then we also have also discovered uh, golden eagles on the park. And in addition to that, we found other active nests for species like sharp shinned hawk, red tailed hawks. Um, and a whole host of owl species, included, including flammulated, northern pygmy, uh, northern sawit, uh, uh, great horned owl, and long-eared owl. So, um, and then, in addition to that, really uh, kind of an uncommon summer resident uh, to, to kind of more oak brush or oak uh, communities uh, is the ovenbird. And we've uh, actually found a tremendous density of, uh, of ovenbirds nesting um there on uh fisher's peak park which is really unique and really really prevalent and exciting for this park um so that's uh yeah it's just really exciting to see all these different bird species and i think the birding community will be really excited to uh to get an opportunity to kind of check out that diversity for sure
0: so for some of our listeners that, that aren't sure what an oven bird is give, give us a bit of a description there
2: yeah it's a small uh, um, ground nesting bird, are uh, really beautiful in coloration. Um, so anyway, just, uh, just a really exciting kind of new and they can be found kind of in oak brush communities, uh, even along the front range where they can be found. But, uh, you know, most common, um, you know, the, the excitement is just the density that we have found down in the park.
0: And, Brian, how about when the park ultimately opens? I mean, how do you, in, in the biologist world, kind of monitor wildlife and the impacts once the park has been opened up to the public and, and, and keep tabs on that?
2: Yeah, so obviously that's a that, that can be a, a challenge for us. And so, you know, certainly things like um, us trying to understand what might be like these cliff-nesting birds, um, you know, all of this gives us some idea of how we can kind of responsibly um, you know, manage people and the use of this park and all that. And so we do actually have a, a program here in, in Colorado Parks and Wildlife called our Resource Resource Stewardship Program. And their real focus is really trying to understand all the biological um, aspects that we have in the parks. And so it's something that we monitor through time. You know, we, we typically will set up kind of a raptor monitoring program for a lot of these parks to understand, you know, are we having impacts? We look at the presence and we're working with um, you know a, a group of, of uh, you know partners and trying to figure out you know where are places that are just really unique that that uh, we need to try and kind of protect and other places where um, you know we can allow more access so those types of things and so it's uh, it's obviously a, a gentle balancing act but we certainly want to keep this um, the diversity and species that we have there, and we, we certainly are keeping that in mind as they're, as they're coming up with just uh, yeah, how, how the park's going to be developed.
0: Brian, you've got a fascinating job, and I know it's going to be a fascinating process uh, up until and, and beyond when Fisher's Peak State Park opens up. We appreciate all the information.
2: Yeah, you bet. Um, just uh, really excited to, to, to chat with you today and really excited. I think that the public's going to be really excited to, uh, to, uh, to set foot and, and partake in, in the beautiful park that's our newest
0: state park. Well, I thanks to section manager Brian Dreyer talking about the flora and fauna aspect of Fishers Peak State Park as we continue here on Colorado Outdoors, powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. Brad Henley, he started his career as a park manager and eventually was a park manager at John Martin Reservoir State Park and Lake Pueblo State Park before being appointed the Deputy Regional Manager in 2013. Brad, thanks for joining us. I'd have to think off the top here. When we're talking about this phenomenal new park that's coming here in the state of Colorado, a guy in your position uh, who's going to be one of the lead people in kind of developing this thing, I would think having a blank canvas in front of you like this has got to be really exciting for you.
3: Most definitely. Uh, You know, almost 30-year career, and to be a part of, a property of this scale uh, and where we can affect conservation on a landscape scale versus small pieces, uh, I think it's very exciting. A blank canvas as well, but in a perfect part uh, of the state of Colorado uh, where we can really make a difference.
0: Give us some of the history of this property and, and in the process uh, of, of it being obtained by CPW to be the 42nd State Park. How does that whole, whole process uh, undergo, and how does it happen?
3: Well, yes, a, a very, very interesting uh, backstory and history to this property. Uh, the, it, it, obviously, it was a private ranch from the, the 70s. A, uh, a couple from France, millionaires, moved to Trinidad, purchased a small piece of property uh, with Fisher's Peak, and over time through late 70s into the 80s, purchased and acquired at other private ranches and amassed a one ranch uh, entitled the Crazy French Ranch hmm. of almost 19,200 acres. Uh, it is on the Colorado-New Mexico border, so on the southern border of the property it adjoins New Mexico. Uh, on the southeast corner it adjoins Sugary Canyon State Park, a New Mexico State Park. Hmm. On to its eastern flank it actually abuts the Lake Dorothy State Wildlife Area and I should say that's in Colorado, the Colorado Lake Dorothy State Wildlife Area and the Colorado James N. John, state wildlife area. So over time, uh, the property owner, one of the property owners passed away, the the husband, and uh, over time, uh, she decided that she wanted to sell the property. The property, meaning this ranch, entitled the Crazy French Ranch, was on the market for many, many years. And over time, uh, there wasn't a lot of interest in the ranch. It's, you know, a large a large property, a large price tag. Um, it remained on the market in the uh, 1990s through the 2000s until about 2017 when local Trinidad community members and uh, leadership in the city of Trinidad began discussions about potentially obtaining a small portion of the ranch, not the entire property, but just a small portion uh, of the property to be for a park for the Trinidad Mm residents. Momentum gained with that discussion uh, where the city of Trinidad reached out to the Trust for Public Land and the Nature Conservancy to discuss potential partnerships Partnering of, of, of acquiring some of this private ranch for a park. Well, through those discussions, additional partners were uh, were added. Great Outdoors Colorado uh, was a partner, and then eventually, Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Uh, obviously, uh, a project as large as this, that there it, it is. There, there's a price tag, a hefty price tag uh, attached to a project such as this. Sure. You need a very robust partnership with expertise in multiple areas uh, as well as funding partners. So, really, in 2017 into the early 2018, this partnership of the City of Trinidad, the Trust for Public Land, the Nature Conservancy, Great Outdoors Colorado and Colorado Parks and Wildlife began discussions uh, in partnership about acquiring and eventually managing the property. Uh, Since that time, a lot of hard work has been put in uh, by the partnership uh, through ongoing discussions and collaboration. uh, It was decided instead of looking at a small portion of this private ranch, the Crazy French Ranch, we should set lofty goals and let's look at acquiring the entire 19,200-acre Crazy French Ranch
0: Mm.
3: to preserve its natural values and eventually open it to the public. Obviously, the ranch includes the iconic Fisher's Peak, Uh, It's kind of the namesake, it's the backdrop to the city of Trinidad uh, and Los Animas County. So the uh, Nature Conservancy and the Trust for Public Land uh, in early 2019 eventually purchased, financed and purchased the entire ranch. Ensuring that it would not be sold off or uh, for private development, or sold off into smaller portions, portions, uh, thus ensuring the property for future generations, both locally, uh, statewide, and nationally. Uh, as part of that, of having this strong partnership in purchasing the property, the Nature Conservancy and Trust for Public Land agreed to hold that property while master planning and management of the property, what the long-term uh, solutions, what was that going to look like? Uh, at that point in time, uh, C.P. Colorado Parks and Wildlife was involved, but it was not, there was no discussions of a state park or a state wildlife area. It was, uh, it's an iconic piece of property. It's got a lot of natural resource. Uh, value uh... and historical value to the local community what what are we going to do with this property well as we continued the partnership the first step was done uh, it was acquired and taken off the market uh... that was done in february in september of twenty nineteen governor polis issued an executive order to officially make the property Colorado's 42nd state park. Hmm. Uh, The property will officially be known as Fisher's Peak State Park and will be managed by Colorado Parks and Wildlife as Colorado's second largest state park. Well, with that executive order uh, from 2019, Colorado Parks and Wildlife then purchased the property from the Nature Conservancy and the Trust for Public Land Earlier this year, on April 2nd of 2020, for a total purchase price of 24.25 million, we purchased the entire 19,200 acres. Nice. The bulk of that funding, and this should be recognized, the bulk of this funding to purchase the property, uh, 17.25 million, came from Great Outdoors Colorado obviously a very important uh, partner in this effort. Uh, and then the remaining $7 million came from Habitat-stamped funds, which are generated from the sale of hunting and fishing licenses. So since CPW's acquisition earlier this year, our master planning efforts uh, have begun to ramp up to, to create Colorado's next state park. And obviously, we're, uh, we want to create a state park that protects the natural resources while w- welcoming uh, current and future visitors, uh, including hunters and hikers and bikers and wildlife watchers and other outdoor enthusiasts, whatever that might be. Uh, the ultimate purpose of our master planning process and the resulting state park balancing recreation with conservation while also helping support the local Trinidad economy so I think that last piece I think it's balancing recreation and conservation is relatively uh, self-explanatory but supporting the local economy of Trinidad that obviously is a big uh, a big value for the city of Trinidad and local residents as to can this 42nd State Park, Fishers Peak State Park, become a draw for residents of Trinidad and Los Angeles County, but uh, residents of Colorado and across the nation? We're close to New Mexico, Oklahoma. Can we bring visitors to Trinidad that are going to utilize the park for a mountain bike ride during the day but maybe go to the city of Trinidad for a night for dinner and a meal or to uh, visit one of the local museums or take in some of the local culture or art history that's uh, part of the city of Trinidad. So a very, very robust partnership and collaboration with a multitude of partners who uh, are looking at economic viability, recreation opportunity, and obviously wildlife conservation in mind.
0: When you've got a a property like this and you're on the front end of of kind of developing it, how do you even go about looking at this, I mean, it's, it's much more than just, well, there's a piece of property. We got ourselves a state park. I mean, the amount of planning and teamwork that goes into something like this in terms of developing this property into what it ultimately will become, it's gotta be overwhelming at times.
3: Sometimes it is. Uh, It seems that way, but it's amazing when you have this, uh, when you have the right people at the table. Uh, when, in a partnership where you have great partners who are, all of us are working together and moving forward, this problem, this could not be done, uh, by one entity alone. So it does, we lean on each other. We all have benefit that comes, uh, from the ultimate product or this project. So we lean heavily on partnership and collaboration as, uh, as we have in the past, to uh, acquire uh, and get to the property where we're at today, but we'll continue that moving forward. And obviously the next biggest steps that are coming uh, in the master planning process is then reaching out to the public and getting what are the public would they like to see, our stakeholders, you know, our local residents. Uh, you know, we're going to rely a lot on that public involvement, public stakeholder Uh, engagement piece as we plan through this property.
0: Brad, great information. I tell you, I'm excited about this. uh, When ultimately Fishers Peak State Park is open, not only for the people of Colorado, but as you talked about, kind of for the region. It's really going to be an amazing addition to the state park system here in the state of Colorado. Brad, we appreciate it. Thanks for having me. What a great addition Fishers Peak State Park is going to be, is the 42nd State Park In the state of Colorado, when completed and open to the public in the not-too-distant future. Our thanks to all of our guests from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, Brad Henley, Brian Dreyer, and Crystal Dryling. For more on Fishers Peak State Park and everything and anything happening with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, of course, check out our website at cpw.state.co.us. Thanks for joining us on Colorado Outdoors, powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. Until next time, get out and enjoy the great outdoors in our beautiful state of Colorado. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is a nationally recognized leader in conservation, outdoor recreation, and wildlife management. The agency manages 42 state parks, 960-plus species of wildlife in Colorado, more than 350 state wildlife areas, and a host of recreational programs from hunting and fishing to the state's trails program, boat registration, snowmobiles, off-highway vehicles, and more. All of its management is in perpetuity for the enjoyment of Coloradans and its visitors.